Hi, we're the Ghouls Next Door, and I'm Kat, the Death by Robots Triple. And I'm Gabe, the Horror Triple. And you're listening to the Triples Network, uh, the place where you can geek out about, you know, really anything, the nerd, nerd times. Uh, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And uh, we specifically geek out about uh, horror and society. Yeah, so enjoy. I'm Kat. And I'm Gabe. And we're the ghouls next door. Over. This just in. Nuclear fallout. What? It's happening. Oh no. The event. The event is happening. It's happening. Nuclear fallout has fallen upon us. Probably. I don't know. I'm really falling for it. Uh, <laughs> we yeah. don't want to set the world on fire. We just want to start a flame in your heart. Yeah. 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 We want to... Yeah. Guess what? Guess what? Guess what? Nuclear fallout. Yes. So this is our the start of our apocalypse series. Dope. I'm sure you guys were waiting. You're like, when are they going to do the end of the world? Because that's yeah. scary. We've like suited on the end of the world. It's just like things that feel like the end of the world as they're happening. The end of the world as we know it. This is the and real one. Yeah. Well, this whole Crawl out. month. <laughs> yeah, through the fallout, baby. Yep. And uh, join us. This whole month, <laughs> we will be exploring the ways that we are going to die, probably. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not even just like... That was a thing that was scary before, and now we're over it. Like, some things that we covered. This is, like, always we should be afraid of it because it's probably, like, we're getting close. Mm-hmm. Like, this is a time when movies are, like, taking place, and it's, like, supposed to be a future time, but oh, it's, it's, like, 2025, and you're like, that's around the corner. It's also just, like, a lot of the topics are, like, too close to home because it's, like, this could actually happen, Yeah. Guys. It's, like, Akira is, like, in the 80s, and we're now, mm-hmm. so it's, like... What happens? Here we are. Yeah. Tomorrow. Uh, it's just in. Nuclear fallout. Yeah. So today, yeah, today we're talking about the nuclear apocalypse. Yeah. So what fun. happens in the mushroom cloud and then you're dead. Even if yeah, you survive you, the yeah, initial you, blast. You, you kind of you kind of don't want to stick around um, based on most of the stuff we've read about. I mean, there's, there's sort of ways to get by for like a minute. Mm-hmm. But really, when you come above ground from your shelter, your vault, your vault your shelter, vault. do you want to be here? Is, yeah. is it a good time or is it like really sad and devastating and like everything you knew or like was working towards? It's gone now. Well, according to the Fallout game mm-hmm. games, we would have a place in society. Well, not. We would be on the outliers of society as ghouls, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which is what people are in that game who uh, got got the radiation and mm-hmm. don't die. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, this die. is really interesting. I like that element of it that like you could become a ghoul and then just like be alive for two hundred plus years. Yeah, that's pretty fun. Not fun, but like they're probably <laughs> it's probably terrible. It's probably like lots of witnessing terrible things happen. But yeah. at the same time, you survive. Yeah, you mutate to the point where you are maybe infinite. Who knows? Yeah, I guess it's just like you're all deformed now and. Probably everyone you love is dead. Beauty is in the eye of the beholder game. If I have weird skin that isn't no skin. Nose. And no nose. Maybe that's just like, I just need to find a I really still love you, but wonderful no-nosed husband. And or a full-nosed husband. I don't think you have to, you know, Yeah, choose. I don't know. I'm just saying. It's like love will like still probably happen. It, when you least expect it. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we're going <laughs> to gonna talk to you about uh, the nuclear apocalypse and how one how possible it is yeah. uh incidents in which uh nuclear reactors or nuclear bombs have been used or hydrogen bombs have been used mm-hmm. so um it's a reality i do want to preface this by saying that nuclear energy is not bad so do not be thinking that we're good like that's the end of the world it's not it's actually a good variable <laughs> it's got it's it's got some things in there but it's also a good alternative for climate change oh cool all right yeah. i don't know <laughs> yeah i just hear nuclear and i'm like that's bad exactly which is what i'm trying to tell the listeners <laughs> don't do that yes some nuclear bad not nuclear energy it's only bad if you're not like being safe what if it doesn't explode it it's it's gonna be fine okay chernobyl's not gonna happen again but stay tuned. We're going to cover Chernobyl. Hey. Knock on wood. Fallout 4 for like two seconds probably Fallout 4 for there. two seconds. And also Dr. Strangelove or how I stopped worrying and learned to love the bomb. Yeah. So we're going to be talking about some films, obviously, in our film section. But it's important that I highlight why some of these things in this film, when we talk about them, are going to seem very absurd. So it's going to seem a little backwards. But what I want you to listen, listener, is when we're talking about the absurdity of that film, I want you to think back to this moment when I'm telling you things and think about how real and possible and outrageous the reality of the situation is, not just that people, you know... Made a fun movie, because it's not true. <laughs> so <laughs> that's it often is. Or yeah, that's our whole thing. On, yeah. then, then we find stuff out. Yeah. Uh, in 1964, Doctor Strangelove, or How I Stopped Worrying and Learned to Love the Bomb, by Stanley Kubrick, came out and caused an incredible stir. It existed to establish direct commentary on the idiocy that is the Cold War. Yep. The comedy of the film circled around incredibly aloof characters who ultimately have both all the control and none at all. Which, I mean, isn't that a good analogy for what America is? Or just humans. <laughs> or just humans, yeah. When uh, are we adults? No one knows. <laughs> and we're going to talk a lot about um, the film later and how it, it sought to point out not only the hair-thin trigger shadow of a nuclear disaster that the 60s existed under, but also the blatant toxic masculinity tied to those in power, which dictated such a situation. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't happen if they weren't like, my penis is bigger. Wouldn't happen. Doesn't matter. What if they were women? <gasps> hmm? 
Ah. Will we ever know? <laughs> I think it depends on the woman too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, another. So during this time, this at uh, the same year, um, another film, Failsafe by Sidney Lumet, who we are not going to cover, but um, similarly highlighted these themes. Um, you know, and this is during a time when nuclear drills were a regular occurrence in schools mm-hmm. and where PSAs ran explaining how to duck and cover when the inevitable happens. Essentially, yeah. like people just being like, get into a refrigerator. Yeah, do some shelter. You're safe now. Yeah. <laughs> just duck and cover and you're good. <laughs> Which just isn't the case, but it's okay. Exactly. Like, it's not okay, but it's, it's just what it is. Yeah. Um, it's no surprise that the media industry of the same time took it upon itself to shed some light on the absolute absurdity of mutually assured destruction. Yeah. Critics cried out and claimed these scenarios were utter nonsense and impossibilities given the actual fail-safes put into place at the time. However... The initial idea of having the nuclear code solely in the hands of our detonator-in-chief at the time, Eisenhower, proved quite problematic at the time. Mm-hmm. And they weren't even dealing with the buffoon that we have in office. <laughs> <laughs> I can't speak much to Eisenhower. I wasn't under him. But I could say that it's really scary knowing that if it were in one hand and it was the tiny hands of our president, that would suck. Yeah, it's it's definitely very scary. And the fact that, like, not even just our president, just, like, around the world, yeah. all the interesting people mm-hmm. who have the ability have bombs right now. to, like, just end the world if they so so wanted to. Yeah. Well, having, having the code solely in the hands of the one person who's running the country had its problems, right? So uh, the New Yorker, which is where I got a lot of this information, has this article titled, Everything in Dr. Strangelove is True. And they address these questions of like, what if Soviet bombers were en route to the United States, but the president could somehow couldn't be reached? What if Soviet tanks were rolling into West Germany, but a communications breakdown prevented NATO officers from contacting the White House? What if the president were killed during a surprise attack on Washington, D.C., along with the rest of the nation's civilian leadership? Who would then order nuclear retaliation? That's I a big question. Should we even do nuclear <laughs> retaliation? Yeah. It's a whole question. Yep. Well, so Eisenhower decided that in an emergency, meaning that they could not contact him, that he that pilots would be allowed to launch nuclear anti-aircraft rockets in order to deter and destroy direct attacks from Soviet bombers. So strictly just to like prevent them from getting to us. Okay. Um, which is more or less the scenario that we're faced with at the beginning of Dr. Strangelove, mm-hmm. in which a rogue pilot has this ability, right? Um, so it's like, what happens if one of those pilots is not a good American boy and wants to cause war. <laughs> Just that could happen. So presidential control over something so crucial. Um, uh, so Kennedy, when he finally took over, uh, was completely caught off guard by this. Like when they let him in on the secret of the nuclear yeah. coats, he was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah. He was totally uh caught off guard and he was told that a subordinate commander faced with a substantial military action could start the thermonuclear holocaust on his own initiative if he could not reach the president this was in like a top secret memo (laughs) um so he was like completely taken aback by the cavalier custody of the roughly 3,000 american nuclear weapons that we had in europe as only a few were locked down at all meaning that anyone could access them and cause the inevitable nuclear war This included the NATO officers from Turkey, Holland, Italy, Great Britain, and Germany from using those bombs without our approval. 
cool. Yeah, <laughs> just anyone. Uh, according to the same article in December 1960, 50 members of Congress serve, serving on the Joint Committee on Atomic Energy toured NATO bases to investigate how American nuclear weapons were being deployed. They found that the weapons, some of them about 100 times more powerful than the bomb that destroyed Hiroshima, were routinely guarded, transported, and handled by foreign military personnel. Uh-huh. Super cool. American control of the weapons was practically non-existent. Kennedy said of the presence of nuclear war, right? Every inhabitant on this planet must contemplate the day when this planet may lo no longer be inhabitable or habitable. Every man, woman, and child lives under a nuclear sword of Democles, hanging by the slenderest of threads, capable of being cut at any moment by accident or miscalculation or by madness. The weapons of war must be abolished before they abolish us. Yeah. By madness. It's literally Dr. Strange. That's <laughs> the film. Just yeah. madness. Um, because of his strange fascination with survival and keeping the American people alive, Kennedy had locks put onto more than just a few of the ones that were saw on the visit. Yeah. Um, these were presented as coded electromechanical switches known as permissive action links or PALs, and they would be placed on the arming lines. With these codes, the weapons could be inoperable without them. The codes are extra protected in that even our NATO allies, who I mentioned before, would not have access unless we were actually like in a war with the Soviet Union. Okay. However, the military hated this, and feared electronic interference or hacking, and they claimed instead in a top-secret State Department memo summarized um, by the Joint Chiefs of Staff in 1961 that all is well with the atomic stockpile program and there is no need for any changes. It's all good. It's all good, guys. they said guys. it wasn't good. And well, then, now it's good? <laughs> the president said it was not, and then the military said it's fine. No, that's, so it's cool. <laughs> yeah. Don't stress. So despite Kennedy's attempt to protect his, his citizens, the threat of nuclear mishap, not um, too unlike the one featured in Dr. Strangelove or Failsafe, was inevitable. Uh, Kubrick, for this film, had read nearly 50 books, including Red Alert by Peter George, who eventually sought count um, who eventually helped Kubrick when he was filming Dr. Strangelove. Uh -huh. um, and it was not nearly liberal propaganda snuff, but rather a dark comedy about the horrific realities of the world at the time. George's novel about the risk of accidental nuclear war, Red Alert, was the source for most of Strangelove's plot. Unbeknownst to both Kubrick and George, a top official at the Department of Defense had already sent a copy of Red Alert to every member of the Pentagon's Scientific Advisory Committee for ballistic missiles. At the Pentagon, the book was taken seriously as a cautionary tale of what might go wrong. <laughs> it's like, this is a real thing. Like, Dr. Strange Love could literally happen, is what he's saying. Yeah. Even Secretary of Defense um, Robert S. McNamara privately worried that an accident, a mistake, or a rogue American officer could start a nuclear war. Yeah. Which is the entire film. Yeah. Yeah. The first attempts at a permissive action was well-intentioned but fell short, and it was known as Category A PALs. The switches relied on a split four-digit code in which two people, each with one half of the code, would be needed to unlock the nuke. Yeah. This is similar to a scene that happens in The Leftovers, which is a kind of, I guess, post apocalypse film or show. Uh -huh. Um 
where someone is in a submarine and manages to be able to activate both in this crazy Uh. situation. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so today we have what is known as Category D PALS, and they're a bit more intelligent, featuring a six-digit code, and they have a limited try feature, which will result in the weapon being locked, much like your phone if you input your password wrong too many times. Uh. But for a whole nuclear bomb. Yeah. You know. Basic things. Some places, such as the Air Force's Minutemen, require an eight-digit code. And back when Kennedy was proposing these safety measures, those in charge scoffed at the idea, and it was rumored that they made the code eight zeros. (laughs) Yeah. That's no longer the case. Oh, good. (laughs) The Minutemen do not have the codes, but rather have to receive them via underground cables or above-ground radio antenna. Um, And as above, so below. And so are Marines, submarines, to have codes to adhere by. However, given that sending messages underwater is difficult, they instead have two safes. One holds the keys necessary to launch a missile. The other holds the combination to the safe with the keys. And the combination to the safe holding the combination must be transmitted to the sub by very low frequency or extremely low frequency radio. It's confusing, but I think it's, it, the whole thing is that it's confusing for them. <laughs> Even more unsettling um, by way of, uh, of similarities in real life, uh, the real life existence of the doomsday machine that's referenced in Dr. Strangelove. Mm-hmm. So a decade after the release of Strangelove, the Soviet Union began working on the parameter, parameter system, a network of sensors and computers that w- could allow junior military officials to launch missiles without oversight from the Soviet leadership. Um, essentially it's just like what the, the doomsday machine was, which was if they were going to be attacked, they had this doomsday machine that would attack back. Yeah. And that like without any interference, the problem with that was that the, it, it, it served to be there as like a warning, like don't bomb us. Cause we have something that will just bomb you no matter what happens to us. Yeah. But they never told us about that. So it, when it made, it didn't make any sense in the yeah. film and it didn't make any sense here. Cause the Soviets didn't tell us about their parameter system either yeah um so it's like they made the movie and they were like and they're like how did you know yeah well so after that you they made it after the movie but had probably never seen it so completed in 1985 the system was known was known as the dead hand once it was activated parameter would order the launch of long-range missiles at the united states if it detected nuclear detonations on soviet soil and soviet leaders couldn't be reached Likes the Doomsday Machine and Strangelove, Perimeter was kept secret from the United States. Its existence was not revealed until years after the Cold War ended, which makes it stupid. Yeah. Um, this, is an ap- this is absolute madness, Ambassador, President Merkin Muffley says in the film, after being told about the Soviets' automated retaliator- retaliatory system. Why should you build such a thing? Fifty years later, that question remains unanswered, and Strangelove seems all the more brilliant, bleak, and terrifying on the mark. So thank you, yeah. The New Yorker, for all of that terrifying information. Yeah, it's just like... <laughs> Why? Like, I don't know. I feel like maybe, like, a lot of this started to come more into reality when they realized what the devastation of Hiroshima and Nagasaki were. Because I feel like people didn't really realize how intense the bombs were until they were launched. Until it happened. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, we're going to talk about three things. One, when accidents happen, a.k.a. Chernobyl. Two, when the big button is pressed, a.k.a. Hiroshima and Nagasaki. And three, how the heck to survive either situation. Nice. So <laughs> we'll start with Chernobyl. Um, so if you haven't heard of Chernobyl, it's a, they made a 
Is it on Netflix or Hulu? HBO. HBO. Just kidding. Neither of those. HBO. <laughs> um, a series, which we'll talk about a little bit later, but it's about a real thing that happens. So mm-hmm. in, a, I believe it's in Soviet Russian territory, but it was in Ukraine, the Ukraine. Mm-hmm. Um, so the Chernobyl 4 reactor plant exploded in the early morning of April 26, 1986, when operators took action in violation of the plant's procedures. And looking back at the Chernobyl incident, the biggest question that comes out is, why? How did this happen? I don't understand. What? What do you mean? Yeah. You hit the... Who did what? How? Well, why? <laughs> what um, happened? So, <laughs> but so the explosion itself happened during an experimental test of the electrical control experimental system. Experimental test. Yep, you gotta love it. Um, as the reactor was being shut down for routine maintenance. So the operators, in violation of safety regulations, had switched off important control systems and allowed oh the God. reactor, which had design flaws to start with, um, to reach unstable low power conditions. So essentially, a sudden power surge caused a steam explosion that ruptured the reactor vessel, allowing further violent fuel steam interactions that. Uh, resulted in an intense graphite fire that burned for 10 days. Yikes. And under these conditions, large releases of radioactive material released themselves into the environment. (sighs) So, like, there's a few things that are, like, really just fun facts about this um, that are not fun. Mm -hmm. They're just like, why? We're still sitting here like, why? I don't understand. (sighs) What do you mean? Um, So this kind of reactor was very unique to Russia in Mm -hmm. that... Lots of other places, when making their nuclear reactors, banned the design. Mm. Said, that's not, that's bad. Yes. No. no. So they basically had these things where they're like, hey, this isn't safe. These are the reasons why. It's mostly because, like, of the way that it used um, graphite and, and, like, other things instead of water. So the United States reactors used water as a coolant and, like, didn't have the same setup. Um, and these ones specifically used uh, graphite and, like, other materials that were not conducive to nuclear stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so the re- radioactive gases and particles released in the accident were carried erratically, which is why you see a very, like, wide range of contamination zone. Mm-hmm. Um, because the winds were coming from all directions during the explosion. Um, and then rain happened afterwards. So participation essentially, or precipitation, words, uh, <laughs> sent rain throughout the region as well as, to a lesser extent, the rest of Europe, spreading the radiation. And you also just see a lot of uh, of spread because they didn't react quick enough. They didn't. Yeah. Wait, they waited until 36 hours after <sighs> the actual explosion to start evacuations. You only see... The animals that were on site, they essentially didn't get confiscated or unfortunately killed. But yeah. Until like way too late. So like their product, milk product, that kind of stuff, things that you drink, things that you eat were spread all around. And it just really increased the rate of thyroid cancer Mm. and other kinds of things because of that, because they just weren't removed quickly enough. And like they retroactively tried to do all of those things. But at that point, like so many people were already affected. They were trying to deny that it was even a situation for Mm -hmm. too long. Yeah. Instead of just taking, being like, yes, we did wrong. Let's fix it. Yeah, no, it was opposite. It was like, no, 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 no. What happened? Classic. What, was it an attack? Yeah, what happened? This makes no sense. Our reactor, we have no, we know why. Why, why, I don't understand. Someone did something. What it was, no, it was just like you. Just, we deal with it. We talk about it later. 
Yeah. Essentially, yeah. like, they did things that they shouldn't have done, and instead of... But they didn't know. Like, mm-hmm. the people who were in charge, like, of the plant, like, didn't know all the specifics of what they needed to be doing. So, later on, we see... Wah, huh, yeah. What is it good for? Absolutely nothing. Because it's bad. Mm-hmm. So, because of World War Two, when the Japanese did not surrender following Pearl Harbor... Truman gave the okay, and the uranium bomb detonated over Hiroshima on the 6th of August, 1945. Um, When that happened, I don't think anyone really realized how devastating it was going to be. They knew it was a bomb. They knew it would make bad stuff happen, but there wasn't a lot of understanding of, like, what the actual results of, like, nuclear war (laughs) would do. Um, So, essentially, it raised and burnt about 70% of all buildings— in the in Hiroshima and Nagasaki, and caused an estimated 140,000 deaths by the end of 1945, along with increased rates of cancer, chronic disease among the survivors, and a slightly larger, well, you know, three days later when they dropped the second bomb mm-hmm. on Nagasaki, uh, it killed 74,000 people by the end of 1945. I am so ground temperatures reached 4,000 degrees Celsius. And radioactive rain poured down. So in Hiroshima, 90% of all physicians and nurses were killed or injured. 42 of 45 hospitals were rendered non-functional. And 70% of victims had combined injuries, including, in most cases, severe burns. So anyone who tried to help died. Yeah. Like, honestly. Yeah, yeah, you were sacrificing You you tried to fix and help what was happening. You don't even know how it happened. Suddenly, it's like... The world is just gone. Mm-hmm. You see that in Chernobyl, too. Yeah. It's just the gone. Like, you, you can't even fix it. It's just done. Yeah. There's no fixing it. Yeah. You're either going to die now or later. That's so messed up. And it's just really, and like, it just really, I don't think, hit when it should have, because nuclear weapons had not been, like, used as a war tactic before, how devastating this would be. Mm-hmm. And, like, the true gravity of what it meant. Um... So, yeah, after that, most the in, increase of leukemia among survivors increased noticeably five to six years after the bombings. Decade later, survivors began suffering from thyroid, breast, lung, and other cancers at higher than normal rates. For solid cancers, the added risks related to the radiation exposure continue to increase throughout the lifespan of survivors, even to this day. <clears throat> so that's about seven decades after the bombings are still seeing, you mm-hmm. know the problems with it and then women exposed to the bombings while they were pregnant experienced higher rates of miscarriages both death among their infants children exposed to the radiation in their mother's womb were more likely to have intellectual disabilities impaired growth as well as increased risk of developing cancer so we still just like have to deal with the awfulness of what nuclear weapons the war can do the repercussions chernobyl we see a lot of like similar like cancer like Mm -hmm. things as a result and are like people who just die because they didn't get out fast enough yeah so, fun fact time. It's not fun. <laughs> it's still not fun. Just keep saying fun oh, facts. Okay. Um, if nuclear fallout were to happen, this is what you need to do. All right, I'm ready. Um, general rule of thumb, <laughs> literally, uh, <laughs> is when you witness the bomb happen, you hold your thumb out, if your arm's still there. Um, <laughs> if your arm isn't there, then you, you're, you're in a bad place. You're already done. You're already, you're already done. It's terrible. Um, you raise your thumb to it. If the cloud is bigger than your thumb, you're in the radiation zone. So essentially, you need to evacuate or seek shelter within 10 to 15 minutes. If you do not get out within 10 to 15 minutes, 
you are more likely than not to suffer extreme radiation poisoning and die. And die, yeah. Yeah. So if you are able to get somewhere, it moves fast, you have to run, seek proper shelter immediately, especially if you are downwind from wherever ground zero is. The U.S. government lays out three factors for finding appropriate protection and avoiding fallout on the internet. Um, Distance. The more distance between you and the fallout particles, the better. Underground is great. If you can't get underground, go into the center of your house. That's the best bet you got. Shielding. The heavier or denser the materials, you need thick walls, concrete, bricks, books, earth, filly. We're dead. Yeah. Our houses are made of paper trash. Like, it's not. We're (laughs) We're all dead. Like, there's no concrete in our house. Philly is dead. Yeah. Unfortunately. (laughs) Um, And then uh, time. So, the rate to which contamination exists falls really drastically. So, as long Um, as you are inside and away from the bad air, Mm -hmm. um, 24 to 48 hours you were probably going to be not great, but maybe okay. Like the, you're going to be less exposed to radiation than anyone else. Um, if you can't get underground again, the center of your building, the further underground you can go, the better. If you can't do any of that, you just need to try to get inside somewhere. So once you're inside, shut off all the ventilation systems, doors, windows, block them off. Anything you were wearing while you were outside, take that off of your body immediately. I don't care if you got naked in front of people. You don't want to be naked. Mm-hmm. It's better than being dead. Take off yeah. your clothes. It's getting hot in here. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then find Literally. soap, any sort of running water before it's become contaminated because uh-huh. you have like a minute, 10, 15 minutes, you got it. Rinse your body off, use soap, water, get any radiation, anything off of you. Put that stuff in a plastic bag, throw it somewhere. Out. Try to, Fuck. if you can, if you're trying to plan ahead of time, get some water bottles, mm-hmm. put them in a basement with... Some extra clothes, some food, canned goods, not any perishables, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. You might be okay if you can survive two weeks. Two weeks is the longest that you would be expected to probably stay underground. Yeah. Maybe a month, but, you know, it depends on how close you are. Mm-hmm. Most of the time, so depending on how close you are, you're just dead because you've blown away with the explosion and that's terrible. Yeah, but... you're just like the shadow on the wall in fallout. Yeah. Um, but if you start to notice radiation poisoning, uh, potassium iodine tablets are like the best bet to go with. If you don't start to experience like vomiting or nausea until four hours or more after exposure, you're going to be okay. It's a good sign. Um, you're likely to recover in a few days or weeks um, mm-hmm. as long as you can stay inside and rest. Nice. If they start vomiting with an hour of exposure, go unconscious or are experiencing seizures, they're in need of serious medical attention, which is probably not an option in that situation because you're... Yeah. It's the world's gone. We're uh, <laughs> still like, you got to come in. Unfortunately, it's kind of <laughs> like, eh. Yeah. That sucks. Put them in metal outside of your house, I guess. I don't. Because like. Nice. I know it's terrible, but like they're like, they're going to suffer extreme radiation. And then by touching them and getting all up in their space, you will in turn get contaminated by radiation. So like, it's sad. Yeah. But after 24 hours, the fallout has been given up 80% of its energy. It's still best to stay indoors unless otherwise said to not, you know, if there's a second bomb, that kind of stuff. But uh, having a turn radio, hand radio, mm-hmm. is helpful too because you can pick up on emergency broadcasts. Yeah, to know what's going on. Yeah, the rain's a bad time. And it's like the suddenness of it mm-hmm. makes it really hard to prep for. Yeah. Because you don't know where you're going to be. You're never actually like, expecting that to happen. No. And I mean... During the Cold War, you had, like, kids who would have nightmares. Mushroom clouds were, like, in preschool drawings more often than not. Yeah, because they had to be aware of it. People were, like, real scared. As you said, doing the drills, stuff like that was, like, a really traumatizing period of uh, life. So what we're saying is that it has happened. It's 
very easy to happen. And when it happens, you're probably screwed. Sorry. Yeah, it's just like I wish more better people were in charge of. I wish we didn't have the bombs at all. Yeah, that'd be cool. So we watch things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so um, we'll start with Chernobyl because that's more recent. People mm-hmm. are probably loving it. And it's, it's good. It is a good film. It is cinematically. Isn't it a show? F- a show. Yeah. Um, it's cinematically really beautiful and well done and should definitely win awards. Um, the compassion and empathy that's in it um, for a situation like that, that could very easily have just been like a propaganda piece or just a like, look at all this gory mess and problems mm-hmm. and pointing figure fingers. I mean, it does a fair share of pointing fingers, which mm-hmm. is fine because um, those are accurate fingers to point. Yeah. Um, but similar to other, you know, horrible situations things like the titanic right like sometimes those things have to happen so that we have safety procedures put into place yeah so they realize how important it actually is to do that yeah like fun fact did you know that seatbelts were not made for women and then women were more likely to die by being like beheaded because Mm -hmm. of the seatbelts and it wasn't until women were like hey they're killing us yeah because they were men's size seatbelts so yeah they were too tall yeah Mm -hmm. so it sadly sometimes People die, and that's how we get things in place. So for anyone who doesn't know, Chernobyl is a TV series by HBO, and this is what it is about. In April 1986, as Kat said, an explosion at the Chernobyl nuclear power plant in the Union of Soviet Socialist Republics becomes one of the world's most worst man-made catastrophes, and it is created by Craig Mazin. Yeah. So I, I will say it is beautifully done, as you said, like before. It's, mm-hmm. and I will, I would agree that it's not like mean to yeah. the Russian people. You know, everyone's just like really upset. They're like, they what disagree. happened? Where, why? Like they paint them as like, yeah, incompetent in certain areas. But like the people on the ground who are trying to help are like genuinely like caring and like, yeah. you know, trying to help as any the human normal would people, be. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. The Soviets, or, well, the Russians disagree with what you said. They actually... Like, yeah, the administration. Yeah. They're the ones who messed up. (laughs) They actually, so, as a result of the series depiction of the accident, the Russian government has announced it will do a version of its own. Uh, They call it the patriotic version, and it follows a conspiracy theory according to which the power plant in Chernobyl exploded due to a bomb put by the CIA. Beautiful. Let's not learn we from our it. mistakes. Yeah. Yeah, let's yeah, we're still let's not, not gonna ask how we can fix this. Let's not build things to code and like appropriately without Yeah. Let's like let's, let's not, not have safety fail safes, <laughs> you know. Let's not do that. It's Even dumb. those don't matter. Yeah. It's so it's it's really well done. The human factor is great. Because what you're what you're featured with or presented with is essentially a bunch of people who are going to die inevitably mm-hmm. like you are everyone that you see is going to be dead yeah and you like witness them like doing stupid stuff because they just don't know it's not their fault yeah. like it's not their fault they're dumb like yeah. it's just like they have never experienced before and weren't trained to experience something like that yeah it's like a trend in the in the show that this situation is so absurd that it happened that no one even can explain how 
Mm-hmm. Most people are like, this could never happen. What are you talking about? Like, that's a lot of the, the problems that they face. Mm-hmm. But it's a mix of like, like, not, it just, um, not like idiotic, but kind of like ignorant. Well, yeah, they just don't know how to deal yeah. with radiation exposure. Yeah, like that. There's like no also blatant <laughs> just like total disregard for safety. Like the fact that the hospitals right next to the plant did not have the iodine tablets. Mm-hmm. And like one of the nurses is like, do you have that? And he's like, why would we have that? And she's like, you're right. It's like down the street. Yeah. Like it, it, The whole <laughs> thing there is radiation. <laughs> what are you talking about? But there's also, um, besides just like, you know, ignorant deaths that happen. There's a lot of sacrifice. Like there's Mm -hmm. just rounds and rounds of different people who are the only qualified people that are going into a situation knowing that they're not going to come out alive. And a lot of the times in history, what had happened was their families were, well, they were promised that their families would be taken care of. It's essentially like we will we will provide your family with like food and care and essentially raise them up like uh, a rung in society Mm -hmm. And they'll be fine, but you have to go die because you have to turn off the water or you have to go down and like fix the water system so that mm-hmm. it's not polluting the rest of what we have. Mm-hmm. So there was like miners that died. There's the the like engineers. There's a scene where they go and they're like, we need you guys to go in there. And they're like, if we go in there, we'll die. And they're like, yeah, but if you don't die, like hundreds, thousands more people will Right. Mm -hmm. Like it's essentially the train scenario. Right. It's like either you put the train so that it runs over one person or the five. And in this point, it was like a handful of incredibly brave engineers versus like this entire population of several different towns. Yeah. And what shook me from that was that like he even asked, like, will our families be taken care of? And he's like, I can't promise you that. Yeah. He was Which very honest, but up. yeah. But like, yeah. I mean, again, it's honesty. I'd rather be honest, but it's like also, then why am I going? Like, what's gonna happen to my family? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'd rather die with them than no. Yeah. You know, I don't know. It's messed up. I don't know. I There's think... no answers. There's no good answers. <laughs> yeah, I think kind of like touching on what you were mentioning in the fact session section is what really struck me about Chernobyl because I I was not around when Chernobyl happened, mm-hmm. and I being an American wasn't really told. Like, we don't yeah. really hear about those things because they don't want it to be brought up that, like, oh, well, you're the ones who dropped a bomb, so who are you to talk, right? Yeah. Um, I do remember, um, yeah, I remember Fukushima and how, I remember that it was all the way over there because of a tsunami, right, that mm-hmm. it ended up, you know, being damaged. And that all the way in America, like in California, we were already experiencing radiation and pollution from that. Mm-hmm. And, like... It be like in, in almost instantly, and I remember being like, "This is this it? Is this the end?" Yeah. And that was something that's so menial in comparison to the the severity that was Chernobyl. Yeah. Chernobyl to this day is the worst nuclear disaster in history. It's still uninhabitable. Right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, it's um. There's a show on like one of those like nature show like yeah with things. the wolves. No, there's one where a guy goes and fishes and catches the weird fish that are in there now or finds like weird animals because they're all mutated yeah i saw a documentary and mm-hmm. it was about there's like 300 wolves Yikes. that live in there and like how it's affected yeah they're like evolution 
Yeah. It's super like, it's, interesting. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a weird experiment we didn't mean to have. Yeah. Um, but what I find really interesting is, so the writer and director, Craig Mazin, tweeted on April 8th that the lesson of Chernobyl isn't that n- modern nuclear power is dangerous. The lesson is that lying, arrogance, and suppression of criticism is dangerous. And yeah. that's what the whole theme is. Like, and that's what I was trying to say. Like, nuclear power is not bad. And if anything, it should be supported more. But it has this, like, look, it's essentially like with Trump being like the windmills cause cancer, which is a big lie. It has that same feel to it where people are like, oh, but Chernobyl. And it's like, but that would never happen. Like, that actually, like, I know they said it, but, like, we really have control over that and it's less likely to happen and it 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 provides far easier and um, efficient power supply than like coal which is destroying our environment which we'll talk about when we get to our resource (laughs) section yeah i mean it definitely just comes with its like caution Mm -hmm. you got to do it right the fail safes are there for a reason you got to protect what's going on you can't be doing stupid stuff my problem is I don't trust people. Mm-hmm. I don't trust that the stupid stuff isn't happening. They yeah. can say that's not happening all they want. Yeah. But Rush probably said it wasn't happening either. Well, yeah. And that's the thing is like Russia. How do you know? There's was... no facts. Facts are lies now, apparently, where we are. <laughs> well, I mean, and, and in the show, they show like Russia being very opposed to the reality of the situation. And because they there's, take so long to act and to accept the situation, they can't ever repair it. So that's why they took way too long to do anything Mm -hmm. it was too late um but there's also like as far as like how humans are um a lot of the people here in america who have the codes that i spoke about in the fact section have been uncertified because they have shown to be uh, honestly disgusting human beings like they have have shown qualities as ungentlemanly um they have been debaucherous they, they take the codes away from them they have there's been times when people are just drunk and they're saying like they have the power and then there's other people who have like ab- had had spousal abuse like there's people are just terrible humans who have the codes like like hundreds of them have been uncertified throughout the years like they had to change the code mm-hmm. and take it away and, from ta- and, and demote that person who had the codes and like god forbid that one person didn't just get drunk. What if they were just angry? Just like in The Leftovers, um, there's a whole scene because it's like essentially the end of the world because half the population is gone like that. But there's this guy who's on a submarine and he somehow acquires the keys in the submarine Mm -hmm. and he does this crazy like, it's almost like, like a Renaissance painting the way that it looks. One, he's like completely nude, but he like, beats up everyone on his way to, like, where they store it. He locks and um, borders the door so no one can get in. And then he maneuvers to use one hand to put the key in and the other in his foot, because he's very tall, to put the other key in and turn it at the same time to launch nukes. And it's like, what? He was crazy. What if someone else was that crazy? What if tall people who are crazy do this? (laughs) What if? What if? This is what we've learned is tall people can't have the coats. It needs to be specifically short people. Two short people (laughs) in far away vicinities. Yeah. Um, We watched another thing. Kat, you want to tell us about this one? Sure. We talked about it a little bit. Summary of Dr. Strangelove. Let's talk about it a little bit. Mm-hmm. It was fun. It was weird. It was super weird. Um, but 1964, an insane general triggers a path to nuclear holocaust that a war room full of politicians and generals frantically tries to stop. This was directed by Stanley Kubrick. Yeah. 
So Kubrick knows his stuff. And he got a lot of crap for this film. Yeah, because they're like, how did you know? Well, no, a lot of them were, a lot of people came out and were like, this is impossible. They were like, this is propaganda. It's crazy. You're you're a liberal lunatic. You're painting Republicans as like trigger happy, um, sex crazed maniacs. And they're all imbeciles. And we're like, I, where is the lie? Where's the, I sense no lies. Because it (laughs) it sounds all true. Which is like, and he, he definitely took, so it's a, it's a dark comedy. Um, it is very goofy in a lot of ways. It's very over the top. There's like the, and there's very on the nose a lot. Like literally everything is on the nose where he's like, um, the, the beginning when the one guy is like leaving his girlfriend and he's like, you could start the countdown now and you'll be ready for blast off, which is honestly like is obviously hinting at the bomb, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? There's the, the one guy who's like, you can't fight in here. This is a war room. Hilarious. Just Guess what? Because war happens here. What are they good for? Nothing. Yeah. Edwin Starr knew. <laughs> yeah. You need to write more songs. Yeah. It, it, yeah. It's, it is uh, a black and white Star. film. It's the last one that Kubrick made uh, that was in black and white. Um, a lot of the lines uh, are improvised. What? For, That's um, great. <laughs> yeah. Peter Sellers uh, improvised most of the lines. <laughs> Uh, he is so absurd and a lot of people just didn't know how to react. And this is actually so fun facts in regards to, um, like a film person. Mm-hmm, Stanley mm-hmm. Kubrick is a very serious person and has been notorious for honestly traumatizing the people on set. Like in The Shining, he made them do the here's Johnny thing so many times that the actress, I can't remember her name right now, literally had like PTSD from it like it has never been in another film because it just traumatized her the way that he made her do like it was like thousands of takes it was ridiculous so he is known for being very stoic and serious and just being like we're gonna do this thing but peter made him laugh like he literally was just like in stitches on the Mm -hmm. side like that they would like over the absurdity of this film Mm -hmm. so that's (laughs) it warmed one stone cold man's heart um and like I said before, he read like over 50 books to to learn about the nuclear war that was honestly very likely in a time when you, it was like everywhere. It was a, It was possible. People were distracted by things like the Vietnam situation and the fact that like nuclear power was becoming a thing. So people were distracted by how cool that was. Mm-hmm. And then just being placated into being like, eh, it's not real. We're all protected. Yeah, and I just feel like it was a time of being really scared of stuff, like, uh, in general, just, like, mm-hmm. the instantaneousness of it, where it's just like, oh, everything's gone. And, like, you see so much media that's just, like, focused on that now. I mean, you saw a lot of, like, cultural shifts where it's, like, everyone's scared. Schools, like, kids are traumatized. They're yeah. sending letters to the president being like, I don't, I'm nine. I don't want to die. Yeah. Can you please? please don't. Can you please not? Like, yeah. what would happen? I, and, like, kids who, like, cavalierly will be like, well, you know, if it happened, I'd rather die. Because it's like, you, I'd rather die when it happens instead of later from, like, disease. Mm-hmm. There's that quote that said, the living will envy the dead. Yeah. And then you also just see, like, a lot of media that play on that, like, fear. So you see Fallout 4. You see all the Fallout games. You see mm-hmm. uh, kind of, like, all the end-of-the-world type post-apocalyptic games. Mm-hmm. Even uh, Metal Gear Solid, a big theme of that is, like, this big weapon. It's yeah. hidden from the general population is like underwater or like hidden and can like just end the world mm-hmm. and like all this corruption between the governments 
over like spies and double agents and all this other stuff and no one's safe because everyone can just gain access to these things or pretend they're somebody else and yeah that whole line in dr strange love where you see like nobody's safe don't trust anyone yeah unless you've known them for years yeah you know and even, even then, then <laughs> yeah they were like don't let anyone in or out and it was just like how severe is the situation that you can't trust the people that you're near and it's just like double agents. It's mm-hmm. like that was the big fear too. Like in oh, tandem yeah. with that, it was just like you can't trust anyone. Mm-hmm. No one is trustworthy, and bombs are everywhere. Maybe I don't know. We're scared. They, yeah. The end is near. <laughs> yeah, it was definitely very, very apparent. And in the in the film, even when they're making jokes, there is a lot of analogy to. Um, am I using that word right? Allegory? Allegory. That's what I want. Allegory. Two, so like there's comparisons to the fact that all of the characters are men and they're very obsessed with sex and repopulating the earth and, and talking about sex. Yeah. And it's it's very clearly that it's just like that's what they're thinking with and that's how they're dictating their decisions. And it's just like directly related to the fact that they hold the power. Mm-hmm. And that they're obsessed with essentially what is like what we watched a video and they said that the at the end, there's this really absurd part where the the pilot who's creating all this is riding the bomb. Mm-hmm. And he's got this like excited, like Yippee! crazy. He's like got his hat and he's riding mm-hmm. it. And it's very clearly like just a big allegory for an uh, for um, erection after that. The, the success of one. <laughs> For ejaculation. We know what words are. I've had sex. You don't have to. <laughs> you can believe me, <laughs> listener. You can. Uh, fun fact that is interesting about at least Chernobyl, and I forgot to mention this, mm-hmm. is that um, Fidel Castro of Cuba opened a hospital for the children that were affected by Chernobyl. Mm, and he yeah, didn't he let the, the papers or anything, news, know about it because he was like, he's not doing it for publicity. He was doing it because it was a fellow communist country and he's there to help out. Uh, according to the internet, it's still open and still helps children and like those who suffer defects like that. Um, yeah. But that was just a fun fact. That was a really fun fact. He's That's still nice. awful. I mean, yeah. But I just wanted to... That's like a nice little... Yeah, thing. <laughs> nice thing that could that happened in in darkness. People or... are layered. Yes, <laughs> like onions, as Shrek said. Yes, or parfaits. Um, mm-hmm. Everybody loves parfait. <laughs> yep, yep. yep. <laughs> so yeah, you know, some people are bad, but there's layers and spectrums that. So yeah, not sometimes everyone's you full can, bad. Sometimes you can do a good thing if you do a bad person. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Good talk. Uh, guys. I don't know if it holds up in regard to like. Like, it's a fun time. I think it's a fun time, but I would watch it with friends and, like, not put too much merit into it. But understand the severity of the situation in that it's scary. It's very mm-hmm. possible. Yeah. <laughs> but one has happened. One is a retelling of a thing that has happened, and the other is something that very well could have happened. Mm-hmm. Or could still. Who knows? Ugh, terrifying. Feelings. Yeah, feelings. Yeah, feelings. Yeah, I said feelings. Let's talk about feelings. Okay. And all that spooky stuff. I love spooky stuff. <laughs> so, if you if you don't like it, it's crawl out through the fallout, baby. And then if you don't, you do. You do, you like, do it. like it. It's atom bomb, baby. Atom bomb. 
yeah. And the reason why that's the case, <laughs> one, Chronology with Fallout song. So these are both songs that are featured in Fallout 4. Um, and in that one, it's uh, essentially the Fallout has already happened then. No, you don't bomb. want that. You don't yeah. want the Fallout to have already happened. Whereas Adam Bomb, baby, he says that she's small. She's not a tall lady. She's a little Adam Bomb. So that's good because... One, it would be a little bomb, but also we said tall people shouldn't have them in case they could do the two coats. The foot and hand, and the hand key, key. Yeah, that was featured in the HBO show, The Leftovers, which we didn't really, but that's not nuclear. That's a whole I'm just thing. saying. But yes. Yeah, you want them to be little, you want an atom bomb baby. Yeah. Little little lady. Yeah. Walking down the street being all beautiful and wonderful and uh Looking like the nuka Big personality. Girl. Yeah. But is not long enough lengthwise to, <laughs> to do use that. her foot in her hand to set off an atom bomb. Yeah. That's what you really want in a woman. That's what I put in my Tinder profile. Yeah. Cannot cause a nuclear... <laughs> Holocaust. Let's yeah, go. I can't do it. So, positive. 5-2. What's it? <laughs> yeah. Um, and and then my sec- the second line would say, does know what sex is. So... <laughs> Just so it's all clear what Tinder would say. Um, So, Mm -hmm. for, uh, this is going to be a, listen, this whole series is going to be rough doing the feelings section, because it's going to be like, how do you feel about (laughs) nuclear apocalypses? In terms of, like, games that aren't real, Mm -hmm. love it. Isn't there that old game that's, like, red something? It's about Soviets. It's very old. I can't remember. But yeah, like I love Fallout, or I don't love it, but I've always enjoyed watching other people play it, but it scares me. So it is actually a horror game to me. Yeah, I mean, I just really like the media that's created around it that puts it in like a fun sense. Yeah. Not this, I mean, it is scary, the like game and like the concept and all of that. When it's not real, it's interesting to learn about. You like want to know why, how, what, what's happening, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise, no. We don't want that to happen. That's yeah. like the worst, that's one of the worst ways to go. We'll talk about all the terrible ways to go, but that's like... At least, we're going to talk about four, so... Five? Five. Five. So, top five. Four, yeah. Hey. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's a lot of media that comes from this. There's a boy and his dog, which is where dog meat gets his name from Fallout 4. It's also very problematic and sad. Um, there's yeah. also, I would argue, The Road um, by, was it, McCarthy uh, or something. That, I would say, is probably the result was because of a atom bomb situation. But that one has a, one of the saddest moments I've ever seen in film, and it haunts me to this day. Mm. So, yeah. the There's a lot of media that came from it. So how do you feel about the medias? Atom bomb, baby. Atom bomb. bomb. Yeah. Yeah. You like them? Media's cool. Real life, nah. That's how <laughs> that's, that's honestly the summation of this entire series. Uh, yeah, I'm going to say I like it for everything except for this. Like, for a, like, you know, the media that comes from it, love it. Yeah. Post-apocalyptic world is, like, my entire, like, dreams. Nightmare. All my dreams. All I my dreams want are that. It. I don't want it, no. But, like, oh, they're, they're just, like, I don't consider them nightmares because they're fun. They're entertaining. You know what I mean? Like, nightmares, if they happen in reality. Yeah. But it's fun to just think about. If it's it's interesting. Mm Mm-hmm. Which is a lot of what we cover usually. Is things where we're like, I wouldn't want it to happen, but were it to. Yeah. I'm prepared because I'm thinking about things. Go bags. What's up? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think this, it's been very simultaneously entertaining and then also absolutely terrifying. Because there's can like even past like the time when that existed right more countries now have nuclear bombs 
and have the capability to make them, Mm -hmm. right? And we are always on the precipice of like another war, another disagreement that could very easily be swayed. And, And to know that those things that we were supposed to laugh at in Dr. Strangelove could potentially be real because anyone can get these codes. And at that time, anyone could get those codes. Kennedy was like, what? This is awful. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the world we live in. So stay tuned for more fun uh, on this <laughs> we talk series. about all the other ways you can die from apocalyptic horror. Yeah. The, like the things that just like happen and you're just done. Like you can't really do anything. It's just over and the world has changed. Yeah. And that's like the worst. That's what gets me the worst is because like, I have a feeling that, like, if it was around willpower or, like, figuring it out, that'd be cool. Mm-hmm. But a lot of this, it's, like, it's too late. You're just done now. Yeah. Like, you can't fight it. There's nothing. Yeah. It's out of our hands. Yeah. And that's and the that, worst part. That's the scariest thing for me is, like, not being able to, like, just, cert- like, resiliency is not a factor. Yeah. You're just, you're done. And I think what's important to, to note about this series is that their apocalypse is in that the world as we know it changes. Like there, it's not saying that if the nuclear apocalypse happened that we would all be dead because there would be some people who are alive and it would, but they would be forever changed. Yeah. And the world, the the earth itself would be forever changed. And so that's what we're going to explain throughout each one of these episodes is not like a world in which everything is gone and it's just like the inevitable heat fundamentally death. different. <laughs> it's just totally warped yeah and like yeah your student loan debt's gone but also your entire family's <laughs> dead so it's like, you I, some? <laughs> you you some. Some. I don't know like you know it's just like everything you've worked for dream wise is no longer like a factor you could have been going to college to become this great professor and like had this whole life envisioned for yourself and then a nuclear bomb falls and you just happen to survive and you're just like well that was 15 well, years of my life just no reason <sighs> Yeah, I know a lot about social work. (laughs) How can I use this now? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, exactly. There's a lot of money that doesn't exist anymore because money is not existing because people aren't around. Yeah, now we use bottle caps. Yeah, so it's just like it's it's very interesting in that sense. It's like there's a relief end to it. Like you see that in like Dawn of the Dead, Mm -hmm. where it's like, well, I was just a Best Buy guy. You know, I was a guy who worked at Best Buy, and now I'm like leading this group of people. Like, and I had no idea I had that ability. Mm -hmm. And if this didn't happen, I would never have figured that out. Yeah, and it's like that's not cool. Like it's like good for you, guy. It's like like people thrive in those kind of environments, but just very different. Like the world that you knew is gone and that can be positive and negative, but like the negatives usually outweigh those minor positives. Yeah. Like impending death at all moments kind of like kills the fun. (laughs) Does it? It does put a damper on things. Yeah. So with that note, just remember that there we're always like a, a inch away from all being obliterated. Honestly, you're, in Fallout 4, the first two bombs that are dropped in that scenario in, in America are in New York and Pennsylvania, so we would have been done for. Because, um, you know, if they're nuking Pennsylvania, they're nuking us. They're doing Philly. They're not yeah, doing, what like, else? What, Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. <laughs> <laughs> I like that we said that at the same time. That well, that's how, with disgust. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, true Philadelphians. We're not wish- wishing anything on Pittsburgh, but we're saying they're not good enough to get bombed. <laughs> Which is the worst insult? If I anything, think of. I would just hope that, like, not hope. I don't want anyone to be bombed. Yeah, but like it was like a miss type. It was just like these both start with P. They're in Pennsylvania, so they go to Pittsburgh. Yeah, by accident. Oh, <laughs> how about no? 
I hope there's never a, ch- a opportunity if we're getting bombs that there's a chance for a mistype. It would be kind of rude if they did New York and Philly. We're already so close together. <laughs> it like, would be kind of rude. Yeah. It would be rude. Like, How DC dare you? And New York. <laughs> not Philly. We're yeah. not big game enough. We're the underdogs. We, we're not. No one needs to come here. We're good neighbor. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're good neighbor. No one oh, needs to come here. Neighbor, yeah. Ghouls uh, will rule. Let's yes, go. us. Now, come, I mean, come to our new world, good neighbor of Philadelphia. It'll happen. Stay tuned. Uh, our skin will be gone, but we'll still be fun. <laughs> there were words to live by. Yep. Look, look forward to. Yep. So remember, remember don't get married, delete, delete your, your kids, kids or, or explode them. Yeah, explode. They're gone now. I'm so sorry. It sucks to be cavalier about this. It's I know, yeah. Like it's not. Please funny. know that we understand, and that real people have suffered and died. Yeah, and that it is severe. Yeah, we just live in this world where we play video games about it. And yeah, it's definitely not cool, but also. Yeah. Also, we're a comedy podcast. Know that we we're sincere, but also we're having fun. Yeah, we. I mean, we had a really serious series last month, so this yeah. one's getting a little more goofy. Yeah. Because in this hope world that this isn't whatever will actually happen. Yeah. And as millennials. totality, you know what I mean? We laugh at tragedy. Because it makes us uncomfortable. And because it's so (laughs) honestly inevitable, so. Yeah, we just gotta We're like, yay, death. (laughs) Crawl out there, fall out, it's better here. (laughs) Yeah. The living will envy the dead. That is the millennial generation. Mm Mm-hmm.